Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Reverend Steve Andrews. Today we read in Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look, not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the word of the Lord. The text today starts out with an encouragement to humility that's going to really be the first half, all the way through verse 18 or so of this text. 
that first section, verse 1 here, starts out with a lot of ifs. If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any comfort from love, if there is any participation in the Spirit, if there is any affection and sympathy, if any of these things are true, then do this. So let's look at the ifs. Is there encouragement in Christ Jesus? Most definitely. To be encouraged, notice the root of the word there, courage. To be encouraged is to be given courage. Christ gives us courage to face sin, death, and the devil in this world. He gives us courage to go on living. Paul, this is chapter 1, right? As Paul was wrestling with the, the suffering in prison, and yet the brothers saw his boldness, and they were also emboldened, they were encouraged to continue living out their faith and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because if the world kills us, we're with Jesus. To live is Christ, to die is gain. So there's definitely encouragement in Christ. The devil has nothing on us. Is there comfort from love? Yes, I mean, God's love grants us all comfort. The only true and lasting comfort we could possibly have as he has redeemed us, healed us, saved us from our sin. Is there participation in the Spirit? This seems to be more along the lines of the Holy Spirit being in us and dwelling in us and working through us for the good of his people. Yes, he does. Affection, which we tie very closely to the word love there. Sympathy, so that as Christians we would care for one another. Do they care for Paul? And the answer from this chapter is definitely. I mean, we see that throughout. So if any of these things are true, and they're all true, then do this, verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Paul's joy, which he's going to use the word pride later on in the text. Verse 16, that he's proud. This pride, this joy is in the body of Christ. It's the idea that he has brought the gospel to Philippi. They have heard the gospel. They have been filled with the Holy Spirit. They are the body of Christ. And he gets to take joy in that, just like the angels rejoice in heaven over one sinner who repents. So complete my joy. Finish it. Be in paradise. That's the, that's the aim here. And, and how does that work? Well, be of the same mind with each other, with the whole church. I mean, remember, you are the body of Christ. The eye and the foot have need of each other. Work together. We are in Christ. So what does having one mind look like, by the way? I really think the, the rest of the paragraph is going to answer that question. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That's difficult, because that's what our sinful nature wants to do, seeks to do. My sinful nature wants to look after me. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. You all come first, I come last. And you would say the same. 
That's being the same mind. This is the way God created us to be. Back in the garden, Adam did not care for Adam. Adam cared for Eve and the rest of creation. Eve did not care for Eve. She cared for Adam and the rest of creation. In doing so, their needs were met. They were provided for. All was good, very good. Until the sin that entered the world, that broke the creation of God, and they looked down upon themselves and realized that they were naked. They weren't looking down. They weren't looking inward. They were looking outward. And this is how God has created us to be. It is our sinful nature that turns us back. And so verse 4, Paul acknowledges we're going to look back. We're going to look at ourself. And he then encourages us in verse 4 to also look to others. So creative function, we should live this way. It's hard, but try anyway. That's kind of the picture. Care for your spouse. Care for your children. Don't think quickly of your own needs. I know that's the exact opposite of what our American culture teaches us, too. Even the American Christian church, most likely, where we have a lot of mentality about looking after ourselves. Even with it attempting to be good, like, you got to care for yourself so that you can care for others. See how it's not really the picture Paul's painting, though. So I I do urge caution with that approach. I'm not saying don't do it at all, but again, verse 4, don't neglect others. So have this mind among yourselves, the same mind, that is the idea of being a humble servant. This comes from Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's who we are to be, is to be humble, to serve one another as Christ was humble and served us. And so Paul is now going to paint that picture that Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, he is God, He did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. So he was willing to set aside that heavenly throne and come down into this creation born of the Virgin Mary, just a little tiny baby, within her womb, a couple of cells big at one point. He came. The aim was not to boast his whole life about how he was God, the aim was to serve with humility. He emptied himself and he died on the cross for us. Talk about a humble death. That was Rome's execution method of humiliation to embarrass the individual, to embarrass their entire family in order to prevent such crimes from being done again. And we know that Jesus committed no crime, but that the crime plaque above his head read, Jesus, King of the Jews. And it's a true statement. But he died for us, to redeem us, and he has. So therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. His name is the highest. And God has lifted him up. He's raised him from the dead. He's brought him to the heavenly throne room where we will come before him one day and every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. 
This is the picture of the last day, the judgment day, when Christ has returned and brought us before the judgment seat, separating the sheep and the goats, according to Matthew 25. A family conversation here. What will the last day look like? It could be a fun family conversation. We don't know everything, but this is true. Even those who don't believe will confess on that day. be too late, but they'll confess on that day that Jesus is Lord as they are cast into the pit. Therefore, this is a continuation, as Jesus was humble, now we are called to be humble. As you have always obeyed, so Paul noting they've been a faithful congregation, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. So he's encouraging them with him not there to continue on all the more in their faithfulness. This is good. Be the body. Live as Christ's body, the body of Christ in this world. This next phrase causes Lutherans a lot of angst. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't divorce it from verse 15, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So the reason this verse 12 causes issue for some is that it says, work out your salvation. And as Lutherans, we recoil and we say, but we can't. It's God's doing. Yes, it is. Absolutely, 100%, it is the Lord's work that you are saved. It's by his death on the cross and it has nothing to do with you. What is Paul saying here? Take work out like you would use it in today's language. I'm going to go work out. Read it in that light for a moment. Think about it like exercise. Your salvation. It is a gift Christ has given to you. Imagine it as a gift that you have, that you're holding. What do you do with the gift? Now think of it like a muscle. If you exercise that muscle, that muscle grows become stronger. If you don't exercise the muscle, the muscle atrophies. It becomes weaker. Think of it this way. Fear and trembling. We stay humbly as servants before God and we serve one another. We work out our salvation. That is, humbly, we serve. We care for each other. We care for our neighbor Especially those, well, we're told especially those in the church, but I was going to mention those outside the church with the gospel, with the love of Christ, so that they too may have it. Remember Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, our calling that we are light of the world, salt of the earth, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You don't light a light and put it under a basket or a bushel, because then it will go out. But we suffocate it. So it is with your faith, your salvation, don't hide it. Live in it. And that's the next paragraph, right? Paul's going to continue. You see it in verse 15. You shine as lights in the world. We bring Christ to the midst of darkness. We bring Christ to our fellow sinners that they may know him. So do everything that you do without grumbling or disputing. Uh, we sinners need to work on that one, right? We need to be content in all things, even imprisonment, suffering, persecution, whatever it might be, laying in your hospital bed because you cannot move. 
wondering in a nursing home why you're still here, you're not done. If you still draw breath in this world, you can still serve Christ, even if you can't move. Love your neighbor. Those who care for you, love them. Speak to them of Christ. Share with them the hope that you still have. Why is it that you can still smile in the midst of all this? Why is it that you're so kind to me, even though you're facing such a hard, hard life? Share your hope. Be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of, notice that, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. The world around us is evil. Second Timothy 3 will claim it's only growing more evil all the time. We are not blameless, but we are to live in such a way that the world around us, the only thing they can fault us for is for our faith. What a fool you are for following Jesus. That's what we want them to see. We don't want them to be able to look at us and remember how we lied and how we weren't honest people. We want them to look at us and reject us because we love Christ. That's where we want to get to. So we hold fast to his word. We love our neighbor. We care for those around us. And for Paul here, so that he did not run in vain. Again, he's proud because they are the body of Christ. The church has been built up. Christ has been edified. And now, he wants them to hold fast to their faith so that they're in paradise someday and that his efforts in their community weren't for nothing. He preached to them. He suffered on account of them. As much harm was done to him in the city of Philippi on that missionary journey. Acts chapter 16. May it not be worthless. Then he acknowledges in verse 17 that he is being poured out as a drink offering. That is the idea of his death. Uh, Drink offerings accompanied many Old Testament sacrifices don't know that we know about them in their fullness. The Old Testament never truly unpacks a drink offering. But think of Paul talking about his blood being poured out, even if I am to die. For the sacrificial offering for your faith, if I am to die for preaching Christ. That's what he's in prison for. That's the offering he talks about that brought faith. And yet he's glad. He is willing to die for that. He's willing to die for preaching Christ. And he rejoices. And he prays that the brothers and sisters in Christ and Philippi would also rejoice together with him, even though he's imprisoned. But rejoice with Paul because Paul has faith, because Paul is your brother in Christ, and you will one day see him in paradise. Because Christ has saved him too. All right, that's the first half. The second half of the text shifts a little bit more towards the nature of greetings, really. He's going to send Timothy to them. That's his plan. He really lifts up Timothy. I have no one like him. Wow. So he wants to send Timothy so Timothy can greet them and also then bring news of Philippi back to Paul again. 
so that he can continue to be cheered by the faith of the church there. No one who is like Timothy, so genuinely concerned for their welfare. Again, high praise for Timothy that he is a man who does what this chapter has been about. He lives humbly as a servant, not fixated on himself and his own needs, but on the needs of the Philippians, on the needs of the church. And they know Timothy. He's been there. He's done that with them. They have seen Timothy and Paul serving side by side as a father and son doing the family business. He considers himself a spiritual father to Timothy in that way. So he's going to wait, verse 23, to send Timothy until he sees how it will go with him. Seems to be a reference to knowing if he gets out of prison or not here this time, which he does. So he would send Timothy afterwards. But in the moment, he sends Epaphroditus back to them. Perhaps Epaphroditus carries this letter. That would make sense. He is a fellow worker. He is a brother in Christ. He's a fellow soldier. Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war, one of our hymns. They are fighting the good fight, not as soldiers who wield swords, but as men who wield the word of God on behalf of others. He is their messenger. So they sent Epaphroditus to him. Chapter 4, that'll come up again. Verse 18, that Epaphroditus brought gifts from Philippi to Paul. And Paul is now sending him home. He has longed for them. They heard that he was ill, but he's recovered from that near-death illness that he had. So Paul wants him to go back and comfort them by reassuring them of his presence that he is still with them. So he's eager to send him. Receive him with joy. Honor such men, those who faithfully share Christ. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. That last phrase sounds harsh to us, that Paul is somehow saying the Philippians' service was lacking. We don't have a good connotation for lack. The picture here is that the Philippians from a distance could not provide personal, physical care to Paul while he was in prison. But when they sent Epaphroditus, he could. So they weren't really lacking the way we would describe it, but they weren't able to serve him in all ways. And Epaphroditus helped. And now Paul, in love, is sending Epaphroditus back. 